Hello and welcome to our latest 15 minutes broadcast. I'm Blair Adams from the employment team at Winquist Sherwood and today I'm joined by my fellow partner in the team Louise Lawrence. Hi. Our topic for today is positive action. The reason we wanted to look at this is that we recently carried out a major piece of research involving HR professionals and employees looking at EDI initiatives and how they actually work. Louise led that research if you want to see the full result, please go to our website, wr.co.uk, or contact us, or look for our LinkedIn posts about the uh, results. Now, what the survey showed is that employees in particular feel that organisations still have a lot to do to make EDI meaningful. And one of the components of that is having a strategy of real action to address actual or potential inequalities. So in this 15 minutes podcast, we're going to look at the field of positive action and what the law allows. So, Louise, perhaps you can give us a very brief overview of what is allowed in terms of positive action. Sure. So the Equality Act allows what is called, as you've said, positive action, but it doesn't allow positive discrimination. And we'll look at the difference between these two in a moment. Uh, So positive action is purely optional it's not mandatory for an employer to take such steps unless it's a public authority or there is a duty to make uh, reasonable adjustments for a person's disability and does positive action cover all protective characteristics under the equality act say race sex age etc yes it does in addition there are special rules regarding disability that allow employers to go even further Okay, we'll come back to those disability rules a bit later. But can you give us an overview of how positive action works then? Sure. So there are rules permitting steps in relation to recruitment and promotion, and also in relation to general inequality. I think the first thing that employers need to do is really take a step back and understand what challenges they're facing in attracting a more diverse workforce and what steps they can take to tackle those. So, for instance, are their job vacancies reaching a diverse range of candidates? Are the requirements that they've set for the role really absolutely necessary? As by looking at these things, it will allow an employer to have a larger pool of candidates, including those of different backgrounds. Um, I think also employers need to look at, you know, is their organisation, how is it viewed by prospective employees? So does it appear a welcoming place to work? as well as what flexibility and adjustments it can offer to applicants. So, for instance, those with child caring responsibilities and disabilities to attract uh, a more diverse workforce. Okay, so on that note then, let's perhaps look first at the rules regarding positive action in the field of recruitment and promotion. Does this mean, for example, that an employer can set a quota for the number of candidates with a certain protective characteristic that it wants to recruit. So could it say, for example, it wants to recruit, uh, it wants 50% of its recruits in the next three years to be women? Uh, No, it can't. Um, Quotas are actually unlawful in the UK. So an organisation cannot adopt a policy of recruiting a set number or percentage of people with a protective characteristic. So for instance, race or sex. This would be unlawful positive discrimination and can lead an organisation open to claims 
from those who do not share the protected characteristic. So when an organisation says that it wants its workforce, for example, to reflect the ethnic makeup of the UK population generally or the region in which it's located, which might be perfectly valid aims as part of its EDI programme, does that not mean it's having trying to implement a quota or is that something different? Well, it's a perfectly valid aim, but it just cannot simply operate as a quota. I see. So what is allowed then? So in regards to recruitment, the provisions under the Equality Act allow an organisation to treat someone with a protected characteristic. So, for instance, um, race or sex, if it believes they're disadvantaged or disproportionately underrepresented more favourably in connection with recruitment than someone without that characteristic, if they're as qualified for the role. So essentially, it allows positive action in a tiebreaker situation in a recruitment scenario. So breaking that down a bit, because there are a number of conditions that an organisation has to comply with to be able to rely on this provision. So firstly, it's got to have evidence in the first place that a particular group is disadvantaged or disproportionately underrepresented. Um, secondly, as I mentioned, a tiebreaker has to exist. So um, candidates need to be as qualified as each other for this provision to be relied on. Thirdly, the employer must not have a blanket policy of treating people who share the protected characteristic more favourably um, in connection with recruitment than others. And fourthly, the action has to be proportionate. Um, so the employer has to have considered um, whether it took other appropriate steps that would be sufficient. And if not, then it can rely on this tiebreaker provision. And an employer would need to keep matters under regular review because if you had indefinite positive action in place that wouldn't be proportionate. I see so I take it then the the essential part of that tiebreaker situation is you've got two people who are equally qualified. Now what does qualified mean in this context? So it means in relation to all skills, qualifications and qualities it's not just about professional qualifications or academic qualifications. But the employer needs to undergo an objective assessment of whether candidates are of equal merit. So it's got to establish an objective set of criteria against which the candidates can be assessed. So they don't need to be equal in every respect, but as regards the overall assessment, the candidates need to be regarded as equal. OK, so to sum up this then, if you have two equally qualified candidates in a recruitment or a promotion situation, and one of them has a protective characteristic that you believe is disadvantaged or underrepresented, you can give that candidate the job because of their protective characteristic. Yeah, that's absolutely right. What employers need to be careful to do, though, is not adopt artificially low thresholds to allow more candidates into a tiebreaker situation. Can you give an example of how that would work or where that's perhaps gone wrong? Yeah, so there was a, an employment tribunal case, in fact, um, called Furlong and the Chief Constable of Police, where the tribunal found that the employer had adopted an artificially low threshold and therefore the claimant had succeeded in their discrimination claim. So the facts of the case were that Mr Furlong, who was a heterosexual white man, applied for the position of police constable and he was successful in the assessment criteria 
and at the interview stage, uh, but he was ultimately unsuccessful in his application. He brought a direct discrimination claim on the grounds of sex, race and sexual orientation on the basis that he had been treated less favourably because he was a man, um, heterosexual and white. Um, The tribunal found that the police's decision to give favourable treatment to candidates from underrepresented groups, so those who were female, um, ethnic minorities and LGBT, was potentially acceptable, but it had acted unlawfully because it had given preference to candidates who were not as qualified as Mr Furlong. What they had done is they treated all of the candidates, and that was 127 who achieved a pass mark following the interview stages of equal merit, and then given preference to those who were female with ethnic minorities uh, or LGBT. And the tribunal said that actually, if you if they'd looked at the scores given during the recruitment process, Mr. Furlong would have been selected because he'd received higher scores. So he was successful in his direct discrimination claim. Sounds like a case where the assessment of who of equal merits or equal qualifications was just not detailed enough. Yeah. So do do you think employers are wary of using this type of positive action as part of an EDI strategy because of the difficulty of showing equal merit between candidates? And, And if so, is there anything they can do to make it easier? Yes, I think unfortunately they are. And I think employers are worried about, you know, relying on this provision. But I think it still can be a useful tool. What employers need to do is, you know, have evidence of their thought process and be careful not to adopt an artificially low threshold. But otherwise, as I said, I think it is a useful tool for employers that they can rely on. Let's perhaps move on now to talk about the other area of positive action. So moving away from specifically recruitment and promotion. Um, What does that involve? Yeah, so there's a general positive action provision under the Equality Act, which allows an organisation to take steps to enable people who share a particular protected characteristic to either overcome a disadvantage which they suffer or to meet their particular needs if they have different needs to those without the characteristic. Um, An organisation can also take steps to enable people who share a protected characteristic to participate in activity if they reasonably consider that group's participation is disproportionately low. The organisation also have to ensure that the steps it takes are justified and as we know under the Equality Act this means that it has to show that the steps it's taken are a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim. So as with many areas of discrimination, there are many elements to that. Yes. Could you give an example of how that would be implemented in practice as part of an EDI strategy? Sure. So if we um, take an example of an organisation that is concerned it's got disproportionately low female representation amongst its senior management team, it could take the following steps under the Act. So first of all, it would need to compile some evidence to show that there is low female representation compared to what could be reasonably unex- uh, reasonably expected. Now, under the Equality Act, you don't need sophisticated statistical data or research, but you do need to have some evidence of the disproportionately low involvement. I think the second thing the organisation needs to do is consider why 
there is disproportionately low representation of women in the senior management team. So really to, to think carefully about that, because that will help it in deciding what action it should take. Uh, so, for example, are women being put off from applying to become promoted in the first place? Or are they being disadvantaged in the recruitment, uh, sorry, in the application process itself? Then there comes the positive action bit, which is that the organisation should consider what steps to take to encourage women and enable them to become senior managers. The Equality Act doesn't actually specify what action should be taken, so it will be for each organisation to decide depending on the circumstances. But in this scenario, examples of action which the employer could take could be providing bespoke training for women within the organisation, which would enable them to have the skills needed uh, for the promotion application, um, or putting in place a mentoring scheme, perhaps, or allowing uh, potential female candidates to shadow senior leaders. I mean, the last thing that the organisation needs to do before it actually implements those steps is consider, are the steps proportionate? So the, essentially the question the organisation has to ask itself is if we took other measures, would they be as effective? Or is this what we're doing? Is it reasonably necessary? That's really helpful. Thanks, Louise. Now, finally, we did mention earlier that there are some special rules that apply to positive action in the case of disability. How do they work? Yeah, so disability is the only case in the Equality Act where it's permitted to favour someone because they hold a protected characteristic. So this means that employers can go further in taking action to help disabled people. Uh, so, for example, some organisations have a policy of interviewing all disabled candidates who meet the minimum qualifications for the job. Or an organisation could give a job to a disabled candidate, even though there's a non-disabled candidate who is better qualified. So in other words, an element of positive discrimination is allowed in relation to disabled people, where it isn't allowed in relation to any other protected characteristic. Yes, yeah, that's right. Louise, are there any useful resources for employers to look at who are thinking about implementing positive action measures? Yeah, I'd really recommend um, taking a look at the Equality and Human Rights Commission's statutory code of practice for employment. It sets out the positive action provisions in detail um, and gives practical examples. Um, so it's a really useful guide for employers. And to sum up then, what would your takeaway points be for employers in the area of positive action? So firstly, to gather information and data about your organisation and to be able to understand what equality challenges your organisation faces. And then think about what you want to achieve and really get to know the basics and gain knowledge in the area. So, you know, look at the guidance we've just mentioned and take legal advice. Thirdly, draw up an action plan to help guide the organisation towards your goals. Um, and the last thing I'd recommend is to set objectives so you can measure your progress against those goals and see where you're still falling short or where you're doing well in. Thank you very much indeed, Louise. Um, we hope you found that very useful. As a reminder, you can find the research project that Louise recently led on EDI on our website or on LinkedIn. That's all for this 15 minutes broadcast, but we hope you'll join us very soon for our next one. Thank you. Bye-bye.